Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and as I've been saying in all of these recent episodes, I am the most fortunate person in the entire speaking industry because I have the honor to host this podcast, which means I get to meet fascinating speakers who are doing a wide variety of work and really impacting their clients. And today is going to be no different. Today, we're going to talk about hidden business deductions for speakers. And our guest is Tatiana Sawyer. Hey, Tatiana, welcome to Speakernomics. Thanks so much, Tom. I'm glad to be here. So what are your two tips for speakers around business deductions that is going to save them money? (laughs) So my favorite two tips, because they're very powerful and impactful dollar-wise, are entity splitting and also shifting your income to lower earning family members. Ooh, well, we're going to have some fun because I think I understand what 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 uh, what you mean by this, but I'm not really sure. For those of you who don't know Tatiana Sawyer, she is a member of the National Speakers Association, and she empowers women to rediscover their inner warrior and be their own boss and get out there and make things happen. She helps them go after their bold dreams. And currently, she actually runs three different businesses. She has a boutique tax and accounting firm in New York City where she serves clients, including speakers, all over the United States. She's also an author of the book Dream Bold, Start Smart, and she is a speaker and a coach. So Tatiana, I want to jump right into this whole thing around how speakers can save money when it comes to their taxes, because I'm pretty sure from my own speaking career, I probably leave a lot of money on the table. So your first tip was about splitting your entities. I think I know what you mean, but let's go a little deeper. What are you talking about? So quick disclaimer that if the tax law changes, what I'm about to tell you may not fully apply, but may still be applicable partially. But when we talk about entity splitting, uh, I talk about creating several entities for your different revenue streams. And most traditional accountants, typically when you come up to them and say, what should I be, would tell you, oh, you should be an LLC or you should be an S-Corp. And then they live it at that. When they come to me, I usually look at how can we create two or three entities around this business to make sure that we squeeze the most amount of tax out of that. And so uh, one of those things is actually entity splitting. And for speakers, there's a huge opportunity to do that because speaking is one of the specified services that can lose the 20% deduction, which is very lucrative on their own business 
if in their household income they cross a certain threshold, like four hundred thousand. So if you're a speaker, you're not making four hundred thousand. Okay, but if your spouse is pushing you both into that threshold, then you're losing the deduction. So you're paying more tax. And so speakers. So when this law was created in 2017, they actually outlined、um, professions. And pretty much a lot of the professions fell into this bucket who who get phased out of this deduction. That's doctors, athletes, performers, accountants, lawyers. You know, pretty much everyone except for authors, <laughs> except for engineers and architects. And so,、uh, one of the CPAs I was listening to、um, a couple of years ago said, "You know, I'm no longer a CPA. I'm a financial engineer." <laughs> and so, there, I mean, this this would never fly in an audit, but.、Uh, Technically, if you structure your business in a better way, if you split the speaker revenue into a separate entity, you can actually save more money on tax. And how this works is,、uh, when you are a speaker, rarely do have I met speakers who are not also either authors or coaches or or something else, and so consultants. And so, typically, if you're a speaker and an author, if you combine the business into one entity. Then the entire income from that entity loses that deduction. That's just how it is. And so, it, a great example of this is, for example, if your、um, if your friend is an interior designer, normally interior designers sell furniture as well and make money on it, obviously. But interior design service is losing that deduction, but the furniture sales is not. And so, if they're in the same entity. Then you're losing the deduction for the entire thing. But if they're split into different entities, one is an is an S corp, one is a C corp, or one is an LLC, one is an S corp, or both are LLCs separately ran businesses, then you can actually get the deduction on one of them because you're losing. You're also losing it on the other. So that's super powerful. But so this、uh, is I also this is really interesting to me because it's never <laughs> crossed my mind not being an accountant that the government would set it up where certain types of businesses are penalized for making a lot of money and other types of businesses are not. So what you have just done is you have just exposed everybody in the speakernomics uh, uh, audience into how messed up our tax code is. <laughs> Well, it is messed up, but there is also a reason for it. And if you think about this,、um, I mean, I don't necessarily agree with the speaker classification of that. But if you think about it, the reason that most professionals were excluded, like doctors, lawyers, accountants, were service businesses. We don't create anything new. But authors, engineers, architects—they actually create something new. So it kind of makes sense, somewhat. But The speakers, unfortunately, are considered performing artists, and so because of that, they were excluded. All right, so let's talk about creating different entities. What's involved with creating three businesses? If I'm a a speaker and I'm a coach and I'm an author, what what what's involved with setting up three different entities? And and where where is that going to besides the deduction? Where else is that going to either cost or save me money? So I would say that the rule of thumb is if you make a hundred thousand and up. It makes sense to have a separate entity for your author business. Coach and speaker are both excluded, and so it makes sense to lump them together. And what I've done for my own、uh, business, and I can give you an example, and then you can extrapolate, or listeners can extrapolate as well. 
was that I've set up a C-Corp for my coaching business. Um, a C-Corp is an entity that pays its own tax, 21% right now. Um, and then if you make take any money personally from it, you pay a dividends tax, which is not really double taxation, but it's presented as double taxation uh, oftentimes. But what I also set up is an S-Corp for my author business because author business remember is eligible for that deduction. And it's only applicable to the pass through entities and S corp happens to be a pass through entity. And so oftentimes what uh, my C corp would do is pay author fees to my S corp. And this way you can shift some of the income from C corp from being double taxed um, to an S corp and get that deduction still. And so the costs are would be forming an entity in New York, for example, um, a corporation costs half of the LLC, probably even more than half, um, uh, less than half. And then uh, different states are different. So that would depend on your state law. But um, you would just form two entities. And if you're forming anything except a single member LLC, you will need to file a separate tax return, which will cost you anywhere from $1,500 to $6,000 a year. But if you're saving twenty grand on tax, that's totally worth it anyway. Sure. Absolutely. So is there anything else we need to know about splitting the entities before we go on to the second tip? Well, the good, um, I guess, approach is to really... Uh, make sure that you have two separate sets of books, that you don't commingle funds, that every transfer from one entity to the other is justified. So whether it's an in, um, income transfer or consulting fee or an author fee. So following those rules as the year progresses is important because if you get audited ever, if you don't have the paper and money trail to support those two businesses as separate, then it will be considered a sham transaction and disallowed. So you also bring up the, the, the fact about, you know, tracking it all year long. I think a lot of solopreneurs and a lot of speakers fall into this. They tend to throw everything into a big shoebox until the end of the year. And then, you know, they file an extension in April. And then in September, they're going, ah, I got to get my taxes done before October 15th. Uh, your boutique uh, tax and accounting firm that you run, you only work with customers who work with you all year on all their expenses, month to month, making sure everything's being tracked. Why is it so important for a small business to do it that way rather than the big shoebox and hair on fire in October way? <laughs> well, um, for being proactive it, it works in many areas of our life and including taxes. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize. The reason is that, and I do actually a lot of quite a few uh, webinars and presentations in November and December talking about year end tax saving tips, because before the year is over, there's so many things that you can do. You can income shift. You can create another entity, shift income there. You can prepay some things. You can donate some things, all of those things you can do so that they count for this year. But if you don't know how much money you're making to date to make it worth doing all those things at the end of the year, then you can't do any of that. So the only things that you have left after the year is over is some deferrals for retirement, maybe HSA. And so that's, it's, it's very limiting in, in a sense that the strategy the strategies that you have are only two or three, whereas at the end of the year, it's eight or 10 um, and probably more um, if you have the right team to support you. So if you leave your shoebox until the year is over and you're in October, there's nothing you can do to really reduce that tax bill. So if you get a surprise, too bad. And so that's why our firm also stopped working with once a year people because 
Actually, I hate surprises and I hate delivering surprises to clients as well. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my accountant has a couple of times delivered a surprise that, uh, you know, your prepaid was a great effort and you actually owe more than you thought you did. Surprise. Uh, I don't like those surprises either. So your second tip that you brought up was shifting your income to other family members and others who might be in a lower tax bracket. Now, this one, I'm sure some people are going, huh, what is she talking about? So let's talk about this shifting of income to others. I will talk first about the family members and then I'll talk about kids because there's a lot more opportunities with kids. You know, there's that movie, The Four Christmases or whatever. They talk about um, Vince Vaughn talks about the kids being little, little walking tax shelters. It's almost absolutely 100 percent true. And so but there's also an opportunity with relatives. And so if you're supporting a parent who lives in your home, um, if you're financially supporting them, and they're only receiving social security income or not receiving any income at all, it makes sense to take the deduction for consulting of some kind, let them help you with paper filing, let them help you with hand cards, uh, handwritten cards or whatever, pay them on a 1099, take the deduction, give them a little more to cover the tax and take the this, um, advantage of this opportunity between your tax bracket, which is your maximum rate of tax that you pay, which the maximum right now is 37. They're talking about raising it to 51, uh, 52. So if, basically, if you're at the top bracket, if you're making over, if your household's making over $600,000, then it's a difference between 37% and zero. If you're in the 35% bracket, it's still significant. It's 35% on that amount. And so it really accumulates if you're supporting a friend or, or a relative who lives in your home or doesn't have to live in your home. But it's, that's really that's something you can only do throughout the year, during the year, before the year is over. And so if you know in October, oh, I've made so much money this year, what do I do? This is one of the things that you can do um, and do it right. So you will have to have a little paperwork, what they're doing, their agreement between the two of you and have the actual money transferred to them to take advantage of this, to have the proof in case you ever get audited. So my always I always think about what if you get audited, can we prove this? And so that's the that's really number one. And then kids are walking strategies and both for tax savings and also for parenting moments. Um, and now, so, so I can talk about that a little bit. So for kids, there are tax court cases out there that talk about that allow um, employing your own kids seven plus. So seven years old and over, you can employ your own kids in your business. And if you structure it with t- at least a two entity structure, it just rarely makes sense to have just the LLC, uh, single member LLC. But if you structure it with you, ha- you have your main business, whatever it is, C Corp, S Corp, combination of the two, and then your single member LLC, where it's one person, um, you actually can save on $12,000 per year per child, 12, four, uh, you can save not only the income tax difference, which is 37%. If your rate is or 33%, even 30%, whatever that bracket is and zero so that you save that difference, but you also save FICA, which is the, another 15.3%. So that's a savings of close to 50%. So on 12,000 that you sort of give your child into their account, 6,000, you're paying less in federal tax. And that's just federal tax. And so if you have more than one child, that's, that's an opportunity to save a lot of money. I, I, hope, and, I hope we're not encouraging a whole bunch of speakers to go out and have more kids. Of course, you'd have, to wait, you have, you'd have to wait seven years before you could employ them. So that wouldn't be a good, that wouldn't be a good exactly. short-term strategy. No. Well, 
you could do for one or two years, you could do a photo model for your website and, and pay them a little bit there. But, but um, seven years generally has been the working age. And what's, here's what's what, a great, the great thing, great opportunity this is. Um, so 12.4, and it goes up every year just for inflation, 12,400 per child. If you give them in payroll, you have to run payroll. You have to get sometimes uh, some, some states are crazy. And so uh, I had a client in Washington state. It took us three months to, to be able to do that because they needed court permission to employ their own children, schools permission to employ their own children. And New York is more laid back on that. But if you have this, uh, this opportunity to do that, you have to put them on payroll, get their timesheets, uh, duties and stuff like that. So it has to be legal, obviously. But what's great about this is that you will have to have them the money go into their accounts. Then you can reimburse yourself for the cost that you've spent on the kids. So I've paid for your medical, I've paid for your camp, you know, reimburse me for that. So you effectively, I mean, that's not what you, you're not deducting those expenses, but you effectively are making them pre-tax. Sure. And that's the beauty of this strategy. But here's also the thing. So it's 12, four per child, but if you're going over that amount, you're still saving, but then your bottom line is 10%. So you're saving between 35 and 10, 25% still a lot of money. And so um, I have clients who pay their kids 18,000. So the first 12, they sell, save about six grand. The next six, they save a little less, but it still works. They still save a lot of money and also what's great about this is that usually clients, when the kids are younger, employ them to have them do handwritten cards for holidays. I mean, how great is it to be able to pay your child to practice handwriting or reading or taking pictures for social media or whatever? Some of my clients whose kids are a little older do video editing or social media management for their, for their client's business. But how awesome is that? The child gets involved in your business and gets to be a part of that. And so the parenting moment in all of that, that if you pay your child 12000 you can put away $6,000 into their Roth IRA account, custodial Roth. It's called not every bank's um, offer it, but it's custodial Roth. It's after tax money. It's never going to get taxed if they follow the rules. So the child turns to be 18. The account is theirs, but they can't take it out without penalty before they're 59, unless it's for to pay for college, to pay for medical, or to, to get their first time home buyer. <laughs> so you are as a parent, and so, you know, some parents give their children investment accounts and things like that, and they get the kitty tax and all of that stuff. But when the, you pay them a salary, you make them do some stuff for you in your business. Well, you don't make them. You encourage them to do some stuff in your business. I like make them. I think make them. Was a good, I think that was the right way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you force them to do something in your business. And then you actually contribute 6000 that you've just saved in tax. Contribute that to a Roth account. And they have, they have this safety net built up since the age of 7 to 18 for 11 years. And they can, if they don't go to college, great. Then they keep it for the rest of their life and use it when they have, you know, run into trouble or need the money for some emergencies. So I want to go beyond your two tips, because I'm guessing as we're now we're this this episode is coming out at the end of the year. There's a couple of weeks left from the time this will air until until New Year's, until the, the ball drops in, in Times Square. What are some other things at the end of the year with a couple of weeks left? 
what should speakers be thinking about for some reasonable year-end deductions? So a great way to think about um, for this specific year, for 2021 and 2020 was another one, is there's something called the Section 139 expenses. And if you're a speaker who are, and you are alone in your entity, I mean, I don't want it to, I didn't mean it to sound so depressing, but you're <laughs> by yourself in your entity. No, I'm, I'm very lonely in my entity. I fully understand. It's a, it's, it's good. I've, I've chosen that. I've chosen that lonely, the solopreneur life. Yeah. So you're alone in your entity. Fine. Uh, <laughs> and um, you decided to, um, and because of COVID, you couldn't work. So you had to incur some expenses. You had to buy some equipment. Maybe you had to buy some things like you had to pay more for electricity. You had to um, get yourself new desks because of that. Maybe a new podium, whatever. You could actually deduct those expenses. You can reimburse yourself as an individual. Deduct those expenses and call them COVID-19 Section 139 expenses, reimburse expenses. And basically... I think the, the, the accounting community, community talked about um, a reasonable amount being 10000 or under for the year. But again, if you've incurred those costs for 2020, reimburse yourself in 2021 for those costs out of the business, take a deduction for it in the business, and lower your tax. Hmm. That's a very powerful one that's only available, like I said, last year and this year. They're probably going to take it away for next year, but we'll see. Maybe they'll keep it for another one because it's still um, sort of a, a natural disaster or whatever um, qualified event. Um, another thing is that most speakers and also most authors and coaches are cash basis businesses based businesses. And so what that means is that you report your income when you receive the cash or and deduct expenses when you've paid them. And cash-based businesses actually, well, not based basis businesses, actually are allowed to prepay some of the expenses for next year before the end of the year, prepay up to 12 months of rent, of car lease, of the things that you are going to pay anyway soon. If you have the cash, do it before the year is over. Once the year is over, it's too late. But before you can do that, you have to know how much money you've made so far after expenses so that you know what you're working with. It doesn't make sense to run a loss, but it does make sense to, to do that. And especially if you don't have the cash, but it does make sense to be proactive on that. And another strategy is um, donations. December is a great month to donate, whether it's cash or uh, non-cash do uh, donations like clothing or household items. Be sure to get the date of donation from the organization. Be sure to get the letter from it. And also know that if the total deduction for non-cash items, so stuff, uh, is over $500, then you have to actually split it and show what you donated and value when you purchased and value when you donated. So even though many of us own stuff that's very valuable, um, <laughs> we often overestimate the value of those things. So be realistic with that. Um, and that, that could save you some money. And if you get the donation in before December 31st, you get to deduct it. All right. So as we wrap this up, there are a lot of people out there whose heads are spinning because they have the shoebox. We're in December. They have the shoebox of, of, of receipts. They have no idea yet how much they've made or lost in this crazy year of 2021. So what else, what's the last piece of advice that you wish that every speaker and author and coach knew that you just know they're screwing up? What else? What's the last little tidbit? Besides the shoebox? Yeah. I can't go backwards. 
So uh, I think the, a very like a personal pet peeve is commingling income and expenses. Many speakers work under their own names. So when they get paid, they deposit into their personal account. Um, and it becomes a nightmare to create a simple P&L. And so for me, if I could have one wish, if I could change something in, in the industry, it would be that. The uncommingling of the funds. Open a separate bank account. Run under all your business um, income and expenses through that. It's so simple. And then your end of the year is a quick math of in and out and category. And that's it. Yeah, I, I don't do a lot of things right. But the one thing I do right is everything is separate from my personal life and my business. So those those those, those two are not commingled. So so that's awesome. Well, Tatiana, this was a fun conversation. It's got my mind going um, I don't have a seven-year-old, but it's got my mind going around this whole uh, this whole thing of how to go about trying to save a little money and not letting the government run away with it. If somebody wanted to find you, how, how do they how do they contact you? Uh, the best way to find me is my social media, Tatiana Sawyer, everywhere, pretty much, and also my website. Um, there's a little shortcut if you don't know how to spell my last name. It's talktotatiana.com, and it forwards you to my tatianasawyer.com. Talktotatiana.com. Uh, and just for those of you who may wonder, how would you misspell Sawyer? It's <laughs> T-S-O-I-R, which is exactly how I would have pronounced T-S-O-I-R, is Sawyer. So. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, well, Tatiana, thank you so much for being a guest here on Speakernomics. Speakernomics is the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I hope you join us every single week where we're going to bring you more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And I want you all to remember the motto of this podcast. Speak, get paid, repeat. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.